Hey, you're listening to the podcast for Mid-City Vineyard Church. Mid-City Vineyard is located in the heart of New Orleans, Louisiana on Canal Street. You can find us on Facebook, Mid-City Vineyard Church, Instagram, at Mid-City Vineyard, or check us out at midcityvineyard.org. My name is Brian, my wife Christy and I pastor the Mid-City Vineyard, and we're glad that you were able to uh, find us and check out this podcast. This week on the podcast, we are continuing our series in Advent. This is the fourth week, and we are talking about and looking at love as we are awaiting the birth of Christ at Christmas time. This is a fun teaching as we're talking, uh, looking in 1 John, where God is love. And so we take this uh, entire evening to really reflect upon our views of God, our understanding of God, our image of God, and how that matches up with who Jesus is and who Jesus has shown us that God is. Thanks for checking us out. Hope you enjoy. All right, so let's in the book of 1 John, uh, this, is, this is what John writes. He says, now, friends, listen, we need to continue to love each other since love comes from God. Now, everyone who loves is born of God, and they experience a relationship with God. The person who refuses to love doesn't know the first thing about God, because God is love. So you can't know God if you don't love. Now, this is how God showed his love for us. He sent his only son, Jesus, into the world so we might live through him. And this is the kind of love that we're talking about, not that we once upon a time loved God, but that He loved us. And He sent His Son as a sacrifice to clear the way for our sins and the damage they've done to our relationship with God. So this will be the passage that we'll kind of we'll camp out on for a little while. But before that, a, a story. I remember this time, and I'm, I'm hoping that a couple of you could relate to this. I remember this time I got sideways with a friend, and uh, I did something to this particular friend and I knew uh, that he, now because I did this to him, he, I, I figured more than likely he is viewing me now in a particular way. And the reason I figured that he was now viewing me in a particular way is because I knew that if he had done this thing to me, that's how I would view him. Okay, does that make sense to you? So I know how I would view him, so I'm just, that's obviously now... How he would view me. He would view me in light of the same way that I would view him. When it, when it, when it came to this time where we're sitting over uh, a beer together and we're trying to work through our relationship and we're trying to be reconciled to one another, and I said, and I can totally understand that you would feel this way now about me, and I kind of put on him how he would feel, and he looks at me and he's like, why, why do you think I would feel that way about you? I said, well, because I, I did this thing to you. And he says, well, that, that doesn't matter. I mean, that doesn't mean that I would now feel this particular way. But why would you think that? And it dawns on me, I would think that because if the roles were reversed, that's how I would feel about you in a negative way. And all of a sudden I'm realizing, wait a minute, <laughs> we don't process things the same way. Like we don't have the same defense mechanisms. We don't actually draw the same assumptions uh, we don't see the world the same way. 
Now we might, you know, there might be other way, other areas in life where I would extend more grace than he would. But in this particular instance, like he's a person who extends grace in a way that I don't necessarily extend grace. Does, does that make sense? Does anyone else? Anyone else? Ever, okay. Do you ever draw assumptions about other people based off of how you are? Okay. If you don't, then I'm talking the wrong crowd. But that. That's one of the things that I've written on the table. <laughs> I have this ability to, you know, I have this ability to, I, I can be very judgmental. I really, I just, I can be very manipulative. Uh, I can be very controlling. Not, and none of these things are, like, I'm not proud of any of these things, okay? I, I, like, I don't like that I can be judgmental. And I'm always pressing into the Spirit of God saying, I, you know, I would like to be a lot less judgmental so Holy Spirit continue to form me and, and shape me. So what I had done was I had projected myself onto my friend. I would suggest that we might do this with God. So we've been taught, and we, we know the passage. If you've, if you've been in church for any amount of time, which looking around, it looks like most of us have been in church for some amount of time. Now, guys in the back, guys in the, in the second balcony, make sure you listen to this, okay? Because if someone would have told me this when I was 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, this could radically change things for you, okay? I'm serious back there. But we've been taught that God is love. Okay, this is good. We've been taught God is love. We've been taught that God is peace. We've been taught that God is joy. But have you ever noticed that God is those things. We know that God is those things. And yet in our minds and our understanding, there are times that in our own lives where we actually might, we would never cognitively say it probably, but we begin to think that God might be holding, withholding from us love or peace or joy or mercy or maybe even more so that he would be withholding that from someone else. For instance, I consider myself to be a very loving person until I get sideways with someone. And then many times my feelings for them might change, maybe until they apologize to me, or they, they kind of, uh, they meet some type of, uh, they rectify the situation in a way, so that's how I am, if you want to be good with me, you need to apologize to me, shouldn't be that way, but I'm kind of a, I'm kind of a jerk like that sometimes, okay, therefore, God's love, I know that, but now maybe I do something in my own life, and it could be a particular thought process. It could be a particular sin pattern. It could be a particular way I treated someone. But all of a sudden now, I have this quick thought or this quick understanding that, well, maybe now, in order for me to get back in God's good graces, I know he's all loving and I know he's all merciful, but, but you know, he could be withholding from me. Not because of him, but because of me. Because I was a jerk and therefore... I need to apologize to God to get God back on, you know, kind of feeling good about me. Or maybe I need to apologize to God so that I can get back to feeling good about me feeling good about God. It gets kind of distorted. And why do I do that with God? Because that's how I am. People have to apologize to me or rectify the situation with me in order for me to extend them grace and forgiveness and kindness. Therefore, maybe God, ha maybe I project that upon God. Let's, let's go something, maybe this is a little deeper. So here's how it works. I know, I know with my head that God loves the whole world. Do we, do we know that? Like, I know with my head that God loves the entire world. So I know that in my head. Uh, 
And I, 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 I'm going to ask, remember, I'm telling a story, and I'm going to jump back 15 years ago, so extend me grace because I'm not this way anymore. But there's what happens. Terrorists fly airplanes into buildings in 2001. I know with my head that God loves the whole world. Terrorists fly airplanes into buildings in 2001, and I, with maybe with many of you, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm at the hardware store within hours buying my American flag. And so I get my American flag. I lived in an apartment at that time. I remember it well. I lived on the third floor. And I mounted that flag on my third-story apartment for all to see. And that, I, that is what it is. But I, went, I took it a step further. Because then all of a sudden, I decided that I needed to see those terrorists annihilated. And I also needed to see anyone who might possibly be affiliated with those terrorists annihilated. And that's how I felt. Therefore... I began to actually believe, even though I know God loves the whole world, even though I know in my head that God loves every single human being, I began to believe in my own mind that God must also want to see those terrorists annihilated. I believed in my own mind that God must also want to see anyone affiliated with those terrorists annihilated. Do you see where I'm... Now, what was I doing? I began to project how I feel and how I am upon God. Now, hang with me. We project our expectations upon God. We project what we think we would do if we were God onto God. And that's where things do get a little bit dangerous. And that's why I think that we have to be very willing to actually think. <laughs> we have to be very willing to actually pray and say, Holy Spirit, what do you think? Because in my head, I know you love all of creation, and yet that does conflict with how I'm thinking through this attack or that attack or this situation or that situation. Anne Lamott, who I don't know if you've ever read any of Anne Lamott, but she has this amazing quote where she says that we can rest assured that we have created God in our own image when it turns out that God hates all the same people that we hate. This is a good quote. When God hates all the same people that we hate, we're, we're, we're now creating God in our own image. Here's the thing. It's nothing new. Think about this for a second. For centuries, centuries, women did not have access to education like men did. I mean, throughout all of the ancient world, throughout much of, I mean, throughout much of even the modern world, even in today in some countries. I mean, th this, is, this is the society as, as the culture is. Okay. But if you think about this, if women didn't have the same access to education, understand that that was in science, that was in mathematics, uh, that was in uh, all, all of uh, physics and, and all these things, but it was also in the, the, the field of theology. So what happened over the centuries is that all of our theologians over all the centuries were men. Now, if you, if you play this out, you'll begin to, to take that, and you might even begin to understand why so much of our understanding of God is so masculine. It's because men, and I, you, know, you, you, you kind of, on the one hand, you, you kind of get it now. It's like, oh, yeah, well, that, that makes sense. I mean, if women had the opportunity in the past throughout the centuries to be educated in the same way, and we had had women, the, which we do have women theologians today, okay, but in centuries past, we didn't. But just, just imagine had we had women theologians in the 14, 15, 1600s, how, how even our understanding of God might be different today. And just rest assured we're, we're, that we're all products of, of, of what has been passed down to us. So 
played this out with me. If the men have been doing the majority of the theologizing, theologizing, if the men have been doing the majority of theology, here's how it works. Take a man, for instance. Men, and I can't speak for women. Women, maybe you'll, you'll speak up and, and help me with this. But men, for centuries, have felt powerful and successful when they are in control. Men, this is typically how men are. Men feel powerful and men feel successful when men are in control. And when men have a sense of independence, of, away from, and independent of everything else, okay? This is, I mean, men, and, and men are still like this. <laughs> Control's a big deal. And women, I, I, control's probably a big deal for you too. But if men, who have been doing this theologizing, if power and success is based off of control and independence, then what has happened is we must assume that God must also be this way. And that for God to, to really, if, if God's going to feel powerful, and if God's going to feel successful, then God must be controlling. And God must be independent. And another thing is that men, especially men, do not like to suffer. And so obviously then God would be a God who does not want to or like to suffer because suffering shows weakness and you can't be weak and therefore God can't be weak or God, you know, so, so suffering. Men believe that they can pound their chest and make things happen and get their way and do whatever it is. I, typically, I'm not talking about you guys, of course. I mean, you, you men are, us men are, are different than men. Okay, think, think, keep thinking on this though. What we've done, in many cases, is what we've done is we've created a God who's made in our image. He's just a bigger version than us. He's just more powerful and more successful and more controlling and more independent. That's why we often believe in a God that looks like us. What does that mean? Most of us have a God, believe in a God, most Christians even, Believe in a God who is on their side. God's obviously on my side. Because if I was God, I would be on my side. God must be on our nation's side. Because if I was God, I would be on our nation's side. God must be on the side of our economy. Because if I was God, I would be on the side of our economy. Now, this is true of us. Right here. But you know what? This is also true of people in Mexico. Do you realize, and this is really important, that people in Mexico, Christians in Mexico, actually many have a Mexican God? And what I mean by that is people in Mexico believe that God is on their side as Mexicans and that God is on their nation's side. And you know, I, I've been to Africa a few times. Do you realize that people in Ethiopia actually have an Ethiopian God? They believe that God is on their side and that God is for Ethiopia above and uh, everyone else. Now, as followers of the resurrected Christ, who is the global cosmic God, that is a bit of a conflict if, if we really press into it. So when a terrorist attack strikes another country, or instead of this country, I've actually heard people say that it seems to be a sign of God's favor upon our country. You know, that it happened there and not here. 
But I've also heard the reverse, that when those terrorist attacks did happen here, I actually heard Christians saying, well, this is obviously God's judgment upon this country. So God judges this country this way, or, or if we escaped it this time, he must be. Now he's judging Spain. And next week he's judging Afghanistan. And the week after that he's judging some other stand or whatever it might be. You know, and it's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. This is, this is a very... Why would, why would we think that? Because if we were God, we can, sometimes maybe we're projecting upon God how we might, we might be. Maybe. But is that how God is? And I would suggest that this maybe is why when Jesus actually came to the planet, maybe this is why most people didn't recognize him. Because the God that they were waiting for did not look like Jesus. He just didn't. The God of their imaginations was going to come to the planet and was going to exercise power in ways such as dominating over people, such as destroy, literally destroying. I mean, this is why we have to trace our roots as Christians back to the, the Jews in Israel at the time, because their understanding was that the God of their imagination was going to come and destroy the Romans, literally. The God of their imaginations was going to come and was going to elevate them up to a place of power and position. And when Jesus didn't do that, most of the Jews were going, wait a minute. If I was God, I would never look like this guy. Jesus. So he can't be God. But in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, the writer of Hebrews, we don't know who it was, but he says this, or she. Says, you know what, Jesus perfectly mirrors God. And is stamped with God's exact nature. And this is bold. And I know we know this. Listen, I, I know we know this. Jesus is God. Let's, let's press into this. If Jesus is God, and the writer of Hebrews says, listen, Jesus is the mirror image of God. If you have seen Jesus, if you have experienced Jesus, then you've seen what God is like. Emmanuel, God with us. Christmas, and this is what's happening here. I mean, this is, what we're, this is what's leading up to next week. But Christmas is like, it's this idea that God said, these people who I love don't understand what I look like. Because they keep projecting their images upon me. I've got to remedy the situation. I'm going to go to planet Earth. I'm going to take on human form. And I'm going to show them what I look like. In the past, they've gotten glimpses. But they're confused. And so I'm going to go show them. I'm going to go show them. Hebrews, the Son of God, Jesus Christ, is the radiance of of God's glory. In the past, they only saw glimpses. But now we see God. We have this thought that God's over here and God does God stuff. And 
thank God for Jesus because Jesus came down here and he did, he did cool Jesus stuff. No, Jesus did cool God stuff because Jesus literally is God in the flesh. I have a few more words for us, but I think what I want to do, no, I know what I want to do, is I want to take a moment. I'm going to pick up the guitar. I want to, I want to reflect upon this because the next couple of things that I'm going to say, we're going to talk about how, how Jesus flushes this out as love. But I think it's worthy of reflecting upon this for a second. There's um, this song called God With Us. And let's, let's just, if you, if you want to sing along with it, you can. And if you want to stand, you can. And if you want to sit, you can. Or if you just want me to sing, it's not serenading. Um, <laughs> you can reflect upon the words. But the words to this are so cool. The words to this are so cool. So let's, let's, let's reflect on this together. So, Spirit of God, uh, maybe tonight, I know that this has been happening for me. Maybe tonight something changes for us. But I think the only way it changes is through your Spirit. So come, Holy Spirit.
So think about this, God with us. The Son, Jesus, perfectly mirrors God. Which means that in many cases, not all, but in many cases, that means that Jesus is actually nothing like the gods of our imagination. Which is hard to admit, but it's, it's worth considering. Because Jesus is not an all-controlling deity. Like Jesus, when we see Jesus, and even the way Jesus enters into the earth, even the way that God comes to the planet, comes as an actual baby. Jesus is a baby who doesn't control anyone other than his mom and dad to some degree because he's a baby. And, you know, he's, he determines when he eats and things like that. But he's not controlling anyone. Jesus grows up and he never tries to control anyone. This is mind blowing. Jesus never tries to control anyone. He invites people. He says, hey, look, here's the path. Here's the light. Here's the kingdom. Come get in on this because this is crazy awesome and it's good and it's good for you and it's beautiful. But I'm not going to manipulate you into this. I'm not going to. You're not my pawns. Now, people try to control people because people are weak. And are scared. All the times I've tried to control people in my life, <laughs> all the times I've tried to control people in my life, if I really look back and try to figure it out, it's because I'm scared or because I'm weak. I, I would even suggest this is why churches fall into this, myself included in the past as one who uh, is part of the church and also in, 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 in my own experience have been I've experienced leadership positions in the church and I'm trying to control people because I'm weak and because I'm scared and because I like power, let's face it. I mean, I've got to be, I've got to continually be rescued from that and redeemed from that and, 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 and matured in that. 
Now, what about this? Uh, God actually shows us that he's willing to suffer. Jesus actually feels. Jesus weeps at funerals. Jesus, his heart is broken at, at funerals. His heart hurts for, for widows. His heart hurts for, for, for mothers whose children have died. I mean, Jesus weeps. God feels. Jesus actually suffers. Jesus suffers rejection. I mean, that's what the cross was. The cross was ultimately rejection. Judas rejected Jesus. So, you know, we, we say that a, a, the God of our imagination, you know, we, we would never suffer. We would never allow ourselves to suffer. I mean, why would anyone allow themselves to suffer? And yet God allows himself to be put in a position of suffering. I mean, gee, this is incredible. Jesus is not one who beats his chest. Jesus doesn't beat his chest to get his way. He doesn't flex his muscle to move the pawns around. God reveals to us in Jesus that God is not for a nation or for a tribe, but instead dies for the whole world, dies for every nation, dies for every single language, dies for every single person, very different than what people anticipated. And so do you understand, moving towards the crucifixion, do you understand that when God comes to the world, people crucify God out of fear because God didn't look like their imagination, so he obviously can't be God. So what does this mean for us? I would say that God puts himself in the place of the vulnerable. God flexes his muscle and shows his strength through this unbelievable, undying type of love. Love seems weak. I mean, honestly, love even today seems weak. I mean, we don't, we don't, when we flex our muscles, we're usually flexing them to control others. We're usually flexing them to, to, to get our way. Jesus shows us something completely different. And so I would, say, I would ask you, what kind of God is this? This Jesus, this God, this Holy Spirit, what kind of God is this? I would say that this is the one God that human beings did not create. That's the kind of God this is. What kind of God do we worship? What kind of God reveals himself in the form of a baby, in the form of a human being who allows himself to be rejected and crucified and killed, who allows himself to not control people, but to let people spit on him, to let people walk away from him. What kind of God does that? Not the kind of God that I would create. I would not create that kind of God. And so I would suggest that love actually does win. I really, I, I believe this with all my heart. Love does win, but it doesn't win by sacrificing its opponents. Love wins by sacrificing for one's opponents. That's what Jesus does. Love conquers by coming under people. Love conquers because it has the capacity to change an enemy into a friend. That's what love, real love, does. Love conquers the rules, the regulations. Love conquers bullets. Love conquers bombs. Love conquers crosses. God's true, authentic, genuine power is through God's ability to love. And this is not what anyone was expecting. But this is what we've been waiting for, and this is what leads us to, to the birth of Christ, who is God in the flesh, God with us. 
And so I think for us, and this is, this is how I would conclude, and then I, I, want, to, I want to push us towards one more reflect, reflective moment, because the question, I think, becomes for us, you know, what are we going to do? What are we really going to do with our images of God that we have? Because any image of God that is not beautiful, that is not loving, any image of God that is not a, 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 an image of that what looks like self-sacrifice, any image of God that is not where God comes under, any image of God that doesn't line up with what and who Jesus is, is not really then the true image of God. Because Jesus is the true image of God. And this is this is crazy. <laughs> Radical, beautiful, and amazing. So will we, and I, this, this starts tonight, depending on wherever we are, and we're all in different places, but will we throw away our petty man-made images of God, and will we begin to trust that God is this beautiful, amazing God that looks like Jesus? Would we, would we move in that direction? Well, couldn't this get me hurt? Well, yes. It got Jesus killed. I mean, it really did. And, and, and Jesus invites us to lay down our lives for the sake of our enemies, for the sake of others, for the sake of one another. That's why, listen, guys, I mean, we're, we're, a, we're a small, intimate group tonight. This is, why I, I, this is why our communion table is so vital to who we are. Because you know what? This stuff can hurt, and it does hurt. And the question is, will we begin to be a body, a community of faith, a people who will not erect walls, even in this place between ourselves, but will we see walls broken down? Like, will we deal with our crap with each other? Will we start here and then move out? Will we extend grace? Will we extend kindness? Will we, will we lay down our, our right to be right? I mean, that's even what Jesus, he's the model, and this is who God is. So here's how we'll conclude with, with one more song together. And, and we'll worship with this song, I think it's number five, just a song of invitation of the Holy Spirit. I'm firmly convinced that nothing happens in our lives apart from the work of the Spirit of God in us. The living, everlasting presence of God that dwells within us, that transforms hearts, transforms minds, transforms paradigms. So, Holy Spirit, do what only you can do. Lord, may the words that have been spoken, may the, may the thoughts that have been thought, Lord, if there are thoughts in our minds. I, you know what? And, and, and here's the thing, church. Even, Lord, if, if, if I have misspoke, if, 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 if there is something that, that, that has just been awry, then, Lord, let that, let that be done away with but Lord what what is truth and what is good and what is gospel and what is beautiful Lord 
in the name of Jesus, even now, cause it to penetrate deep into our being. That we might be an amazingly beautiful reflection of who you are in this place and in this community, Lord. Tasted and seen of the sweetest of. 
So church, as we go tonight, may the Spirit of God fill you. May the Spirit of God fill you in this moment. May the Spirit of God once again rekindle hope within your soul. May the Spirit of God grant you joy. May the Spirit of God fill you with love and mercy. May the Lord cause His face to shine upon you. And this week, may you be more conscious than in all weeks past that you have the living, breathing, moving, smiling presence of God, Father, Son, and Spirit dwelling within you. May the peace of Christ reign in your hearts. And I pray for favor with people this week. Lord God, would you give us favor in, in our conversations, in our neighborhoods, in the gym, at work, in the restaurants. Give us eyes to see your presence working. Give us hearts of love. Pray these things tonight in the name of God the Father, Jesus Christ the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.